Good evening. How's everyone doing tonight? Good. Good to see you. Well, we're supposed to have some rain this week. Well, yeah. Good evening. As the rain comes down from heaven and waters the earth beneath, so is my word that goes forth from my mouth. Always accomplishing its purpose and never returning unfulfilled. So I thank God for the rain. We thank God for his word and the fact that we can come and be here tonight. So I know we have people we want to pray for and things we want to thank the Lord for, for his faithfulness, for his grace and his mercy. So if you'll stand, I'm going to read a few verses and we'll go to prayer. Reading from Psalm 118 in verse 25, it says this. Save us, we ask you, O Lord. O Lord, we ask you to send now success. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. For we have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. For the Lord is God, and he has shown us his light. Bind the sacrifice with cords, even unto the horns of the altar. For you are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And his mercy, they endure forever. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that paid the price of sin so that we could know you. Father, we just thank you for your comfort, for your strength, and for your presence with us tonight. We thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for you are the only true God. And Father, tonight we come boldly to your throne because of the goodness that you have showered upon us. And Father, we speak liberty to captives, healing to those that need healing in their body, and salvation to those who are lost. For we come in Jesus' name to declare the truth of the good news. And Father, we lift up praise to you tonight in hearts of thanksgiving, and we give you praise and thanksgiving, for you are faithful and true. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen.
Yes, God said he would turn it around. Yes, God said he would turn it around. What the devil meant for evil, God will make it good. Turn around, turn around, turn around. He'll give you beauty for ashes, joy for your pain, praise for your sadness as you remember his name. Morning into dancing, sorrow into joy. Every day will be sweeter than the day before. God said he would turn it around. Yes, God said he would turn it around. What the devil meant for evil, God will make it good. Turn around, turn around, turn around. He'll give you beauty for ashes. Joy for your pain, praise for your sadness as you remember his name. Morning into dancing, sorrow into joy. Every day will be sweeter than the day before. God said he would turn it around. Yes, God said he would turn it around. What the devil meant for evil. Oh, turn around, turn around, turn around. Amen. Hallelujah. Woo. Hallelujah. I don't know about y'all. I'm ready to have church. Amen. Amen. Don't come in here for nothing. Because he'll give you beauty for ashes, joy for your pain, praise for your sadness as you remember his name. Morning into dancing. Sorrow into joy, every day will be sweeter than the day before. God said he would turn it around. Yes, God, God said he would turn it around. What the devil meant for evil, God will make it good. Turn around, turn around, turn around. Oh, what the devil meant for evil. the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind cause I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus oh I just want to speak the name of Jesus Till every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus Cause your name is power Your name is healing Your name is love Break every stronghold. 
glorified. Amen. Give him a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. The Savior of the world was fallen. His body on the cross, his blood poured out for us. The weight of every curse upon him. Oh, thank you, Jesus. heaven looked away, the Son of God was laid in darkness, a battle in the grave, the war on death was waged, the power of hell forever broken, the ground began to shake, the storm was rolled away, his perfect love could not be overcome. Now death, where is your sting? Our resurrected King has rendered you defeated. Forever he is glorified. Forever he is lifted high. to shake. The storm was rolled away. His perfect love could not be overcome. Now death, where is your sing? Our resurrected King has rendered you
give him praise. Amen. You may be seated. good and he's moving. Are you ready? You got to be ready. If you're not ready, you got at least a couple minutes to get ready. Because he's already moving, so we need, we're kind of behind the times. I'm going to ask our ushers if they come forward, please. So with that, we'll let our children go to Kids Zone for this evening. Let's give our pastor a warm welcome as he comes. I just wanted to share something that uh, that goes along with Pastor Luke was preach this morning and uh, and on with what he's going to be preaching tonight <laughs> this morning when he's talking about following jesus and then during altar barry played the little chorus uh before he started singing he was playing i had decided to follow jesus and, and every time i hear that song i think about what following jesus means to me what i have seen My dad was a missionary, y'all heard me tell many, many times, in Belize, in Central America, British Honduras, when we first went there. And he went to be a missionary, him and this one other missionary that was there. Well, he was there to meet the, the uh, Mayan Kekchi Indians who lived back in the jungles. 
the um, out in the towns, even back in the 70s, out in the towns, there was Methodist Church, um, starting to be some other different organizations coming in, but nobody was going back to the jungles except some of the villages the Catholic priests went to. And the Catholic priests taught them Catholicism and taught them to drink. I'm telling you, they drink. <laughs> they would drink bad, heavily, heavily. They drink of the rum they made down there. And when Daddy and Brother Travis, Brother Leo Travis, and then Brother Young was another that went in, and, and the first uh, Kekchi, Mayan Kekchi Indian, that um, they led to Jesus, and he started to have church in his home. But what the song, I have decided to follow Jesus, makes me remember is those little Indian men, once Daddy would go in, and, and they would lead some of them to Jesus, and he would decide that he wanted to go to another village. God called him to preach now. He had to go tell somebody else. And he would take a guitar, handmade guitars, with a handmade leather strap, not like what I have here, and he would sling it on his back like this right here. And he had a little handmade bag his wife made, and he put his Bible down in it, and he would get on a bicycle. Or later on, Daddy helped some of them get a motorcycle. Sometimes it might be a trail through the bush that he might have to carry ride a horse or a mule, or may just go and you have a machete in one hand cutting his way in. And he put that guitar on his back and that Bible in his pouch. And sometimes he might be the only one from his family. And because of their belief, the Catholic priest told him my daddy was the devil. And that they better not listen to him. So when he would turn to Jesus, his family may turn against him. But he was following Jesus. They may go, I was telling sometime, Daddy would go to a village and, and there may be a man who would leave this village and go to this next village like this and he would start to try to pastor, start to establish a church. The way they did their, they called their plantations down there. They went out into the jungle. They would cut out a clear out of place and they would plant some corn, some beans and some rice. And Daddy's gone out before and he said, Brother Jimmy, I went out to my plantation and they burned my plantation. Because he was following Jesus. Brother Jim, my family's turned their back on me. I know one man that when he turned to Jesus, he started going to preach. They, uh, the other men in the village took him and they held him down. They beat him and they took rum and poured, tried to pour it down his throat. Poured it all over him, just, just beat him because he followed Jesus. And he would take that guitar and they would get to the village where they were going. And a lot of times... They had little songs, English songs that we knew, and they would play them in, in their language. A little tight, huh? And they would sing simple little songs like, it'd say, Christo que me Christo que me Christo que me a lot of songs that we sing, they would convert them to their language. But the one song that I never heard them convert to their language because he always wanted to sing in English was, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. 
And they would always sing this verse, and this is the verse that stands out. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning just remember that little Indian with this guitar on his back, riding his bicycle to go preach God's word. And his family at home may be getting, they didn't own much, but what they own may be destroyed because he decided to follow Jesus. And he said, no turning back. No turning back. just want to leave that with y'all as Brother Wheaton comes. Thank you. Well, we said it this morning, you know, we don't, you know, we don't have a clue. I mean, we, we really don't understand the price that is paid in other places to follow Jesus. Um, and I'm going to preach on that a little bit more tonight. I'm going to do something first, though, that I, I would really was sitting in the service early and thought of. Um, and... And I've got notes because I was, as the Lord sort of dropped that in my spirit, because I, I was thinking, Lord, I want to I just take a minute. And, so I, I just want to be grateful again a little bit. Can I be grateful a little bit more for y'all? So I am grateful for help. For help. I think we overlook help a lot of times. And I'm grateful for help. So the first people I want to be saved uh, a, a word of gratefulness to her, uh, Brother Jerry and Miss Mary. I'm so grateful for them being here tonight. I'm grateful for, yeah. I, I'm grateful for um, the fact that he put his hands to the plow 20 years ago and he didn't turn back. I'm grateful for that. They worked hard and they created an opportunity for you and for me and for those yet to come, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, there is a, there's an extension of legacy within his life and within their ministry that's going to go on, and we're great. I'm grateful for that. Uh, I'm also grateful that they're going to be they're 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 um, they're not just here; they're going to be active in the future. Amen. We're believing for wholeness and healing. I'm ready for Brother Jerry to preach some, aren't y'all? Amen. We're believing for it. Amen. Amen. And I'm going to say a word about that. Um, I think a lot of times we don't listen to what people are saying, but I, I listened the day we had the celebration. And though a lot was said about Brother Jerry, he continued to say, it, it's you, it's the people that's made this church great and that's made this possible. And I'm telling you, he loves you guys. He loves you uh, deeply. Uh, I'm grateful for a couple other folks I'm going to mention because it um, it creates, as a pastor, you know, uh, oppor opportunities come your way and you just sort of, you got to roll with it. You know, I we, we actually had our church at uh, New Life to give us a trip to Disney World one time. I got to pay the whole way, but uh, it was about a year early whenever the plan was made. And then that next year, just some crazy stuff happened. 
and financially the church really didn't need to do that and and we actually paid everybody's insurance with that money uh, and chose not to go to Disneyland um, and and I say that because we give a lot everybody gives a lot uh, and that was one of the moments we had to give and we were glad to give and to do that um, and there's a lot of folks giving a lot and doing a lot um, I to where that I can do what I'm going to do this Wednesday. I'm going to leave at lunch uh, this Wednesday and take a couple of days off. Uh, and Debbie and I are going to go and just have a big party <laughs> while we sleep. Because that's probably about what we'll do the whole time, just try to try to sleep and recoup, you know, uh, because it's been busy. Uh, we actually rode out to the house today and pulled in the drive and pulled around back and turned around and drove back out. If they've got cameras, they're worried about us. <laughs> I'm just going to tell y'all. Uh, but I ride out on that house, and we ride out there every time we get a chance. We just ride out there and say, Lord, thank you. We're grateful for this. We believe it's ours. We believe you're working it out, and so we just do that. And we saw a bunch of people at the house next door, and we wondered, as Debbie always does, wonder what they're doing. <laughs> so Debbie would have been fine pulling right up into the middle of that and getting out and having a party. Hey, guys. Uh, I'm grateful for Sunday morning worship. And I'm grateful for Barry. Um, and I, there's a phrase I had to look it up, but uh, I'm a I'm a I'm an action adventure kind of guy in when it comes to TV. And there's a there was a movie called The Last Samurai, and there was a moment in The Last Samurai when he had made the conversion and swapped all the way over to become a samurai, and he actually dressed out in the outfit of the man that he had actually did battle with and killed. And uh, the, the leader of the group, the, the actual guy who they considered the last samurai, presented a sword to him, and there was an inscription on it. And I think of the inscription of the soldier, the sword blade in the last samurai when I think of Barry. It says, I belong to the warrior <laughs> in whom the old ways have joined the new. And I've never seen anybody take the old and blend it into the new, and God's anointing be on it like it is with you, Barry. You stay surrendered to that. You stay surrendered to that. And as you think and feel your call to ministry, remember there, there's, there's ministry everywhere, and you're deeply involved in it, deeply involved in it, and I'm thankful for that. There's a couple of other people I want to make note of um, that I'll have to look at my notes. The only reason I did that is because I couldn't remember the quote. So anyway. No quote coming to this, Drew. They are warriors. They are steady. They're instant in, season out. And it's my help on Wednesday nights. I am thankful for Greg Bayless. I am thankful for uh, Keith Kenderknecht. And I'm thankful for Doug Lott. They, at any time, are willing to help me on Wednesday nights fill the slot of teaching. And uh, they are grounded when they do it. They present it in an anointing. Uh, it's evident that they have studied and prepared for it, and it's evident that God is using them. And so if you're missing Wednesday nights, you need to be a part of it because we're all just trying to shoulder the load of taking this message and breaking it down in digestible form to where that you can become a stronger disciple of Jesus Christ. That's our whole goal, okay? And so I'm thankful for those three guys and all they do and how they've served us and how they've ministered for us. And they all do different stuff. Doug preaches. Uh, Dr. K opens our services and does ministry there, and Greg does anything Paulette says. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Which has made women's ministry wonderful. 
Amen. Because he answers the call. Uh, <laughs> praise God. <laughs> hey, one of the best cakes around right there. That's the man. So we are thankful for all that he does. Uh, um, okay, so let's get into the word. Um, I'm going to give you a phrase. I'm going to give you a thought to start off with. Uh, it has to do with what we saw this morning. It's going to go in a little deeper. We're going to actually take a portion of Scripture. We're going to break it down. We're going to try to understand what Jesus was doing with his disciples at this time, the 70. It'll thin out the crowd when it comes to surrender. Because when we talk about disciples, if you remember our phrase for the disciples, it's the ones who follow them to a place of surrender. So it's no longer just ministry. It's about just total ab abandonment. I mean, it's about belief. It's about the, guy, the, the men who'd get saved and they'd know the price they were going to pay and they'd pay it because they understood that something had come to them. A, a, a man had been revealed to them that they had never imagined. The power of forgiveness and freedom and deliverance had come and it was a message and a hope that would cause them to give everything. So the phrase is this, prioritize the person over the power. Okay, that's the phrase, prioritize the person over the power. And that was an issue. It's been an issue. I can take you all back, way back to, to, to the fall of Satan and tell you that was an issue. We'll look at it, we'll talk about it, but... Um, I want to remind you, sort of get us back into a thought about those 70 as Jesus was getting ready to send them out. So they're, they're here. They've come out of the 5,000. They've had their needs met. Now they're in this place where they're getting an opportunity to do something for Jesus, to serve him in some fashion. It's what we're all after. We just want to serve him. Give me an opportunity, Lord. Just give me an opportunity. And then he asks us these questions that how to do with, you know, you know, what, what do you call home? And, you know, we talked about that this morning. You know, what, where's your allegiance? And we talked about that, you know, and how these guys were trying to understand what he was doing. Why are you asking these questions, Lord? We, uh, you know we love you. You know we want to do something for you. But he was trying to get them to understand that there is this challenge that comes on us. It's not about comfort. It's about challenge, about transformation. There's this need for transformation to happen in us to where that ministry can happen. It can flow. And not just can it flow, but it's, it can flow in a way where there's, there's, there's a recognition of who is doing it. And the danger is, is that we miss out on the who. We get caught up in the what. And so here we go. I'm going to read this. When, when, when these guys return, we're going to go to Luke chapter 10. If you've got your Bibles, you're taking notes. Luke chapter 10. We're going to pick up in verse 17. I'm going to read a portion. I'm going to just sort of break those verses down through 20 for you as, and give you some thought on it. When they came back, this was their report. Man, they were jazzed. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. <laughs> Hang on. They, they never experienced anything like that. You ever been in one of those moments? You know, where the power of God just comes and shows up, man, you're going, oh, my God. And you can't help but talk about it. You can't help but share it. You can't help but, you know, 
try to express it in the best way you can, the only way you can, and you you you, you find yourself a little bit, uh, yeah, it's a little bit uh, unable to 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 make the uh, make the person you're talking with understand it. Um, but Jesus's reply shows that they were looking at it all wrong. So so when he when he hears this, he comes back with yes. He told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. And you go, what? Wait a minute. We're, Lord, you misunderstood us. I mean, the, the demons are subject to it. Yeah, yeah, I know. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. But, what, wait a minute, Jesus. Uh, a matter of fact, was, was the... Was, was this Jesus' way of saying, I know, I know, give me a high five. Man, you got the power. No. No, it wasn't what he was doing. No, it looked like he was going, wow, but he wasn't. He said, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Look, look at what Jesus says next and realize these guys had lost their all focus. He said, look. I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. But immediately it, it becomes evident there is something bigger than demons being subject to, to us in Jesus' name. But that's powerful. That's awesome. But Jesus said, that's not what it's about. Satan. Satan thought it was pretty cool. There's something bigger than having the authority over evil spirits. There's something bigger than walking among snakes and scorpions and crushing them, even though I like doing that kind of thing. There's something bigger than being invincible. Because basically what they felt like is they had reached a point where they were invincible. What happened to Satan? He, 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 he got in his mind that he was invincible, that he was equal with God. And so suddenly what took place is Jesus is trying to bring them back into a focus. He's trying to turn them back to the reality that the person is where the power is. It prioritize the person. Who was the person? Jesus was the person. Jesus is the person. Jesus is the one who makes it possible for us to see the miraculous. Jesus is the one who comes and moves and changes lives. Jesus is the one. Satan knew it once. Satan, as a matter of fact, here's an explanation of these circles. Satan was in the center I believe Satan had gotten to the center of the circle of relationship with God once. I mean, he was right there. He was super close. You say, well, if you get that close, surely you can't fall. <laughs> the Bible pretty much tells don't think you're standing. Don't, don't think you own it. Don't think you're doing it by yourself. Basically, that's what that verse says. Don't think that you're standing. Don't think you're doing this by yourself. Because if you think it's on you and you have all this, and you're going to fall, sure as you've, you've got that thought. So, so, so don't let the power overshadow the person. Don't let his power at work through you cause you to lose sight of his presence in you. 
Because that's where the power is. If we lose sight that it's his presence in us that's, that, that's creating the power through us, then we've missed the prioritization of the person. Because it's about Jesus. This whole thing's about Jesus. None of this is possible without Jesus. Jesus understood, I think, the importance of his words. I'm going to give you all a quick story. I, I, as I was thinking about how to communicate this, I, I, I read this it, just in passing one time. I was thinking about how to, how to communicate what was happening in this moment because what I'm going to read to you is from Luke 10, 2 through 9. Now, Luke 10, 2 through 9 is just prior to the events that we just read. So I want to give you those events, and I'm going to actually give you what I want to call a speech from Jesus. Okay? So he gathers all of his disciples, the seven together, and he sits them down. He says, okay, boys, game time. And he gets ready to send them out, and he communicates with them in this passage. Now, I want to give you some background behind this thought. I want to read a speech to you because I think um, Jesus understood the importance of words. And I, I think he constantly spoke words of life to his followers, even though sometimes they're very difficult words, and they're hard words, and they're challenging words. I think he understood the importance of giving those type words to those he was speaking to. Uh, because of what it did, the transformation, the change in thought, the processes that we go through, and how he would change them by, by giving them those thoughts and that understanding. So, um, I, so let, me, let me just give you this. I, I really believe, I'm going to use sports analogy. Uh, I believe he was one of the greatest, he is the greatest pregame locker room speech giver ever. Uh, now, we've been told, and I want to give you this, we've been told that the greatest pregame locker room speech took place uh, in a pregame locker room in 1980. I'm, I'm narrowing it down to one event. In 1980, by a guy that we know and understand to be the, the coach of the U.S. hockey team. whose name was Herb Brooks. And it's believed that that one game, pregame locker room speech is the greatest ever. Now, I, you know, and I, I, you know I'm not going to argue that it's, it's not great. Brooks, Brooks inspired with that speech a U.S. team who was undermanned, undersized, under, uh, ability was here against the Soviets here. But what he did in that speech was to use words to change the way they saw the moment. You see, that's the key, is that if we can get God's word in us, it can change the way we see a moment. Oh, we get bad reports from the doctor, but we know his word changes the way we see the moment. We get, we, we get, we get a, a, a scathing response on some kind of communication we've tried to give someone in our workplace. But, but because we know God's word and God's calling, God's purpose, it can change the way we see that moment. So what we recognize is, is words are very important. And so, so Herb Brooks used these words. These are the words. Now this is a bunch of kids speaking today to a bunch of grown men. Rough grown men, matter of fact. 
they attempted to show and compare in a movie, if y'all remember, a Miracle on Ice. Matter of fact, that was, that was what they dubbed this event as, the Miracle on Ice. Um, but here's his word. I'm going to give it to you. He's in the locker room. He's got all, he's got the 70, no, no, I mean, he's got the hockey team sitting around him. Great moments are born from great opportunities. And that's what you have here tonight, boys. That's what you've earned here tonight. One game. If we played them ten times, they might win nine. But not this game. Not tonight. Tonight, we skate with them. Tonight, we stay with them. And we shut them down because we can Tonight, we are the greatest hockey team in the world. You were born to be hockey players, every one of you. And you were meant to be here tonight. This is your time. Their time is done. It's over. I'm sick and tired of hearing about what a great hockey team the Soviets have. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. I wish I could say that happened with Jesus' speech. <laughs> That's a good one, no doubt. But I believe Jesus' words in this next one, as he had gathered his 70 around, I believe his words are just as powerful and transformational. Begins in verse 2, and it reads this way. The harvest is great but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. Now, go. And remember that I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Don't take any money with you, nor traveler's bag, nor any extra pair of sandals. And don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Whenever you enter someone's home, first say, may God's peace be on this house. If those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. If they are not, the blessing will return to you. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve their pay. If you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. Heal the sick. And tell them, the kingdom of God is near you now. So here's my takeaway from this incredible speech and these words that Jesus spoke into those in this circle of relationship. Because that's the key. We've gotten into a deeper circle, guys. We're in a deeper relationship. We've moved in closer to Jesus than we've ever, we've ever gotten. So here these people had gone from the crowds where they were at a distance watching to having their needs met with the 5,000, and now they've moved into this inner circle, this, up, this next circle, a circle where it was no longer about them on the receiving end. Now they're being asked to give something. We're being asked to give something. You've moved into the 70. You're, you're being asked to give something. You've moved in close like this. You're fixing to get an opportunity to do something for Jesus. I get to do something for Jesus. And we see 17 through 20, they did stuff. 
Now, they may have lost focus, and they may have misunderstood, and he had to sort of correct them, and don't we all do that? You know, we get opportunities, next thing you know, we find ourselves, Jesus having to scold us and get us straightened out, or the pastor having to do it, or mom or dad. Man, look, I was trying to remember back. I had to be 45 or 50, and I'd gone over to see mom and dad. We'd gone over there to visit them, and I don't know. Somebody had showed me a funny video, and I showed it to the boys. Or some, uh, Randy was there, my brother-in-law. He died laughing at it. I can't tell y'all what the video was because daddy scolded me. But dad scolded him. But at this point, he's, he's, I mean, he's, his scolding was tears going down his face. Son, you don't need to be looking at that stuff. You don't need to be, you don't, you, that Jesus ain't pleased with that. Man, I'm standing there crying. (laughs) Please forgive me. You know, and it was just a dumb video. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Jesus, I hadn't looked at it again. I mean, what? No, I mean, it wasn't anything. I mean, it, it was uh, anyway. <laughs> God, it was so bad. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus and Daddy. But Dad just—he just cried, you know, and just got on me. Just got on me right there, you know. And uh, sometimes we got to get it in those moments. To where that we got to get, you know, we can mistake what's happening and we need to be corrected and God needs to do something in it. So he's getting, the, it's obvious he's giving these words and they go out and do something. When they come back, they've, they've lost focus and he has to get them straightened back out. But here's the words and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to give you a takeaway, a, a thought about it. So, so here's, here's there's, there's a few things that lead up to what I believe are the, the steps that he's putting them in, Okay. So the few things that lead up to it is, and he uses these phrases, uh, these these words that explain this. There's a massive need around us. That's what he was saying right here. The harvest is great. Now here's a couple of things to understand about the harvest. The harvest comes in, you seize it, or you lose it. Amen? I mean, I mean. Something happens to the harvest. And he says the harvest is great. And so there was this massive, this massive need around them. They, 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 and they could see it. They had recognized it. The 70 faced the world in great need just like you and I do today. I mean, the 70 under, had, had seen it. Look, there's never been a time when there was as much need probably for the gospel as there is today in the United States of America. You say, oh, it had to be. No, no. I believe there's such divides and such miscommunications and such twisting of language and such mis, 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 so many misinformed people and the belief that just because somebody's in some place or position that they can be trusted and all, I mean, oh, Jesus. You don't have to look for to see people who need Jesus. That's the whole point. Who need caring for, who need a helping hand. So, so, so there was a massive need around them there's a meager workforce meager meager workforce the workers are few that's what he said so listen all that means is the 70 were called out of the 5,000 Pareto teaches that there's this principle that there's this this 
10-80 10 principle. And the principle of Pareto is that there's this 10% that's going to get it. You, you say it, they get it. Boom, they got it. There's 80%. You probably have to show them a little bit of how that works for them to get it. Then there's 10%. They ain't going to get it if you teach it. If you Come on, get on the bike. Uh, you hold the wheels, you pedal for them. You, know that, you let them go, they're going to crash every time. They just can't get it. There's another application of the Pareto principle. You ready? It's that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Man, I, I know what that one's about, don't y'all? Every woman in here should say amen to that about their house. Sorry, guys. I mean, I didn't need Pareto to tell me that about the 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. I, I understand that. I, I mean, we understand that. We know what that is. If you work in a business... It don't matter how many employees you got, you got 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. It's just always going to be, it seems always going to be that way. So what am I saying? I'm saying I'm okay with that. I want everyone, I, I want everyone, but I get it. I'm in the 70s. 70 come out of 5,000. You understand what we're saying? So there's not just a massive need around us and a meager workforce. He says, I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. There's a dangerous calling before us. A dangerous calling. You say, I don't feel the danger. That's why Wayne had to get up here. That's why the Spirit of God spoke to him this morning to ask to do what he did this evening because whether or not we recognize it or not, this is a dangerous calling. Now, you may not feel there's danger in it. You may not feel like there's that much going on. The 70 were called out of the 5,000. We understand that. But here's what I want you to hear. Jesus lived a dangerous life. He engaged in a dangerous mission. You want me to tell you what that mission is? It hadn't changed one bit, rescuing a world in rebellion against God. That's the mission. And it's dangerous. If you start meddling with the devil, he gets mad. Somebody say amen. I know somebody, I know somebody, we pray for just this Wednesday night, I ain't going to talk about it, but I'm telling you, we've messed with the devil. I like it. I mean, I, God is dangerous, y'all. Let's just get that out there. God's dangerous. God's dangerous. He, he, devil, small letter dangerous. God, big all caps dangerous. He's dangerous. And he calls us into that danger. He calls us into the rescue of the world. He calls us into the lives of people around us who are in rebellion against him, who have set themselves against what God's plan is for their life. He, and, and, and Satan wants you to, he doesn't like us messing with his people. He doesn't like us messing with his people. He thinks he has them. He thinks he owns them. But he hasn't paid the price for them that Jesus paid. And that's why we got some authority. That's why we got a right into the place that he thinks he owns. Because Jesus paid the price. He purchased their salvation. And they need to know that. They need to understand that. And it's our job to make sure that's known. John Piper, I mean, he's used to call him a 20th century theologian he's a preacher and he made this statement in the walk of faith risk is right <laughs> risk is right it's risky 
It's dangerous to take the gospel to some situations and to stand in the gap for people's lives and to pray and intercede for the souls of your children and your children's children. But hey, somebody's got to do it. If you're in the 70s, that's your call. Suddenly, in this speech where it looks like anyone who follows is going to lose their life, Jesus says in essence, so here's the plan. So I give you these thoughts, okay? So there's this massive need and there's a meager workforce and the calling is dangerous. And so he lays all that out. But then he goes, you know what? I know that sounds rough, but here's the plan. And so he lays his plan out. It can be, when you read it, it can almost be very confusing. But let's break it down. I'm going to give it to you in, in, in small digestible thoughts. Number one, travel light. Travel light. Don't take any money with you, nor traveler's bag, nor any extra pair of sandals. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? That just sounds absolutely crazy. But why did he use those words? Because he's trying to tell them that this is a journey where you're going to need to loose everything that you've got to hold to to, com- to complete it. Uh, he didn't say it couldn't be done. I'm, I'm glad we get to travel different today, right? Right? Or do we? I distracted you with that one, didn't I? <laughs> to follow Jesus farther, say farther. To follow Jesus farther, we have to lay aside those things that weigh us down and hold us back. That's what he's trying to say. Hey, the stuff that you're trying to hold on to that's keeping you from going forward, you need to let it go. You need to let it go. Whatever that is, whatever that looks like, whatever it is that's weighing you down, whatever it's keeping you from moving. Some of you got to lay aside friends. Some of you need to lay aside locales. Some of you need to lay aside possibly wealth. There's nothing wrong with wealth. I'm not saying there's anything wrong, but your calling may not allow you to have it. Some of you may need to lay aside some family. But if there's something that has you tethered and keeping you from moving for Jesus in the direction he's calling, you need to loose that. You, you, need, to lay it, you need to let it go. Don't take anything with you that's going to keep you from being able to do what it is he calls you to do. What's holding you back from a passionate pursuit of Jesus? That's the question. Second, stay focused. What do you say? Don't stop to greet anyone on the road. I used to read that and think to myself, what's he talking about? That sounds like that's the most, I mean, telling, a, t- I mean, t- telling somebody that is, that is, as, as thinks you got to talk to everybody person like I am, that'd be hard. Because I want to stop and talk to folks. I want to see what they're about, where they come from, what they got. I want to I I figure them out. But he says, stay focused. I, I think he's saying here, stay focused. Don't stop to greet anyone on the road. I believe what Jesus was saying here is this. Life's full of opportunities. You listen to me? Life's full of opportunities. Some that will help us and some that will slow us down. You've got to determine with every opportunity, is this a divine appointment or a diversion? Is this a divine appointment or is it a distraction, a diversion? Can, can, I, can, I, can I say something here? Staying focused is hard in this day and time. Staying focused is hard, harder than ever, I believe. 
Because we joked about the communication things today, and we, we, Twitter was our answer. But I'm telling you, staying focused is hard this day and time because we got so many things we can get information from, so many ways we can receive information, receive thought, receive instruction, when in reality it gets real simple. Is that something that is going to give you divine appointment and opportunity or are those things just diversions and distractions the enemy's using to try to get you off focus? Three, cultivate the faithful. He says in verse 7, stay in one place. Stay in one place. Brother Jerry, you're an example of that. You stayed for 20 years. You committed, surrendered, did all kinds of stuff to see to it that what God wanted done here was done. And literally, Debbie and I believe in this. Our 27 years are the evidence of that. We stayed, we stayed because we did life with those determined to follow him closely. That's why you stayed. That's why we all do what we do. We do it because we believe God has given us an opportunity, and it's divine, and the appointment calls for us to, to build and do life with those who are following and trying to get closer and closer. Are those you spend the most time with moving closer to Jesus or moving further away from him? That's your challenge. You, you got I challenge you with that. The word challenges us with that. When it says cultivate the faithful, we're responsible to build relationship with people and cultivate those relationships. Cultivate them to where that they get closer to Jesus. Cultivate them to where that they understand better who he is and what he's offering. Cultivate them. And the faithful ones are ready for it. They want it. Number four, Jesus basically says, meet people's felt needs here. Anytime he talks about healing the sick, he's talking about meeting felt needs. You know, you can be sick mentally, spiritually, physically. And all those are felt needs. What is a felt need? That's when, that's when something is happening to me that keeps me from receiving or having anything else happen to me. Amen? And so what he's saying here is, listen, you got to meet that need. we got to meet that need. That's what yesterday was all about, meeting a felt need. It's recognizing and understanding there's a family out there that's in need, and our job is to figure out a way to love them through this sick moment of their life, this hurting moment in their life. Can we do it for everybody? I don't think so. Are we called to do it for everybody? I haven't been called to that yet. I don't, I, I don't see it that way. I see it as a moment, a divine appointment, just like I told you. And we were faithful to do that. You and I, that could, that could boil down to just doing something for somebody in a drive-thru. It, it could be something as simple as just obeying the Spirit of the Lord to walk up to somebody and say, Hey, I, I just really feel like I should pray for you. And have God just meet them and pour all over them. So you understand what I'm saying here. I know God called me to bring people closer to Jesus. But I can't do that if they're lame, sick, blind, or paralyzed. I, I mean, I can, but my job is to try to address those things. And whenever I can meet a felt need, they go, whoa, wow, who is this Jesus? I'm called to minister to people's felt needs. You're called to minister. We're called to minister to people's felt needs. 
What are the felt needs of those God's placed in your path? What, what is it that they feel? What is it they're hurting? Or what is it that you need to be doing to try to help them? I mean, this could be as big as taking time out to go to the hospital. Or it could be as simple as sending a text. The, uh, the, there, is, there, are, there are a lot of negatives about the, 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 the social media crave of the day. But, buddy, there are some powerful positives to it, too. Because you can send a word, a word that's life-changing, a word that's transformational, a word that brings deliverance at the moment it's read, a word from God, a word, whatever that looks like. You can do it. And we've seen it happen. Debbie sent stuff before to people, and they replied back, just pouring over the moment, over the words, over how they, what they meant. I've done the same thing. I, nowhere near as much as Debbie is. She's way more led of the Spirit in that than me, mainly because she does have Facebook and all that other stuff, and I don't. But anyway, it's another discussion. So here's the last one. Jesus is basically saying, here's the plan. Here's what y'all need to do. You need to travel light. You need to stay focused. You need to cultivate those around you that are faithful, those that you know are after God. You need to cultivate them. You need to grow them. And then you need to meet, meet needs, meet needs, meet the felt needs. You know, when somebody's lame, say, hey, let me pray for you and let my power heal them. Do it in my name. Whenever they're sick, say, hey, in the name of Jesus. Whenever they're paralyzed, say, hey, in the name of Jesus. And offer my name, and my, my name is able to heal. My name is able to raise up. My name is able to meet needs. And then as you do that, you're going to see in the opposition, in the moments that the devil tries to fight back, then you're going to be able to then take authority over that and tell him to get lost. And then they come back. They come back. Woo, man. You should have seen this lame person healed. You should have seen this blind person that got sight. Is that what they said, Keith? No. They said, you aren't going to believe how the demons, we had authority over the demons. Look, y'all, I'll give you the last one in just a second. But this is about the person, it's not about the power. If we stay focused on the person, on Jesus, the power of God will touch people's lives. The power of God will heal the sick. It'll, it'll, it'll straighten limbs. It'll, it'll, it'll correct the, the, the lungs and the struggle of the, of, the, of the results of COVID. It can do it all because Jesus made it possible. He paid the price. <laughs> okay, 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 last one. I sort of got to this one this morning, but I'm going to close with it again. Proclaim the day of the Lord. That's what he basically told him. Hey, look, go tell everybody the kingdom of God is near you now. The king, proclaim the day of the Lord has come. Look, they were all looking for it. If they were Jewish, they had been raised up and taught there's a Messiah coming. And because of that, they were all thinking and wondering when it will be, how it will be. Look, it ought to be the same way in the church. Jesus is coming back. And we all want to be looking, expecting, and thinking, wow, this could be it. When could it happen? Oh, let's get all the signs lined up. Look, if he don't come back before I die, I'm going to see him. 
We're settling that right now. For you as a believer, if he doesn't come back before you die, you're going to see him through that portal, and you're going to go and be with him. I don't want that to be anytime soon for any one of us. But if it happens, well, we want to have confidence that it's happened. And my word to anyone today and anyone that I get, get time to talk with is, hey, the, you know, the day of the Lord is here. Jesus has come. The kingdom of God is near now. Now. His name is Jesus. And so what they did is they went out and they proclaimed Jesus. They declared who he was. They communicated that. They, 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 that's another way of saying today is a day of salvation. That's another way of saying it. Today is the day of salvation. And so what they were trying to do is to get everybody, what Jesus wanted from the 70. Here's what he wants from us. Now, I'm going to narrow it down to the phrase this morning. Don't miss the moment. Just like we said this morning. Don't miss the moment. Don't miss the moment, the opportunity. Don't miss the opportunity to meet a felt need. Don't miss the opportunity to cultivate someone or to grow someone who's showing those signs that they want to get out of the crowd and out of the fire. They, they want to get closer. Put your arm around them and pull them in. Maybe they just want in the crowd. Maybe they haven't ever come to be with Jesus, come to know him. <laughs> the kingdom of God is near you now. The kingdom of God is near you now. So, Jesus gives all this information to these guys. He talks about all this. He lays out this incredible speech to them. They go out, come back, only to have to get corrected, but it's okay, because it looks like it worked, didn't it? How do we know that? Because we're here. <laughs> we're here. <laughs> and there's pastors going into the jungle in Belize today because, because somebody took the message. Uh-uh. A couple's coming to McDonald's, Seth and Caitlin. They'll be here, I think it's the 23rd of May on a Sunday evening. They're going to join us. Seth was raised in Ecuador. His parents are missionaries there. Um, felt the call to go back to the field. Went through school, did all the stuff necessary, and they've always gone. We've, I've taken uh, two teams to Ecuador and joined Joel Marbin. Joel is the, what they call the jungle missionary. He's world-renowned, literally. I'll bring him one day, and he looks like he's from the jungle. Joel's about this tall and just, just, just much of a man. Hair everywhere. Bit heart bigger than his being, incredible person. Uh, Seth told me the other day I went to lunch with him. He said, "Caitlin, I feel called to northern Ecuador," and I went, "Hmm." You know why I thought that? Because no missionary's gone there and come out alive. No missionary. And they got their little baby sitting here at the table with us while we're eating over here in America without a care in the world. He said, yeah, he said, I know that sounds dangerous, but, and I've watched them choke up. They need, they need Jesus. And I believe God told me to go up there. 
said, Caitlin and our baby's going to go with us, and we're going to go, and we're going to take the message of the gospel because God's called us there. We believe he's going to provide. Well, he's not talking about money, y'all. Money's not a problem. We're, we're supporting him. We've already picked him up as a church. He'll come and share. Y'all going to fall in love with him. Super people. But, man, we got to cover him. This thing's dangerous. This is real. There's a real devil who's got a really big group of people up there that he thinks he's got control of. And they're feeling called into that place to take the message of Jesus to them. Yeah. The fact is, you know, going to your neighbor don't sound near as hard when you think about that, does it? I mean, good Lord. Imagine all the excuses we come up with to not talk to somebody at a, at, 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 you know, a, in, a, in line at Walmart, which is not really happening these days and time because they've got these per, per, I, I hated the express checkouts where you do it yourself when they first come out with it. My attitude was, they ought to be paying somebody to check mine. Man, I walk through there and look down through there and go, Man, I'm going to find the quickest way out of here. I use it every time now. I mean, I've just been sucked into it. <laughs> I'm just a part of them. What do we do to figure out ways to love people? That's our mission. What do we do? What, should, what can we do? How do we take the speech Jesus gave the 70? Apply it on our lives and figure out ways to travel light, to stay focused, to, to, to cultivate the faithful. All those things that we talk about, how do we figure out those ways? What do we do? I'm praying that God gives us a revelation for Mount Olive. We need a revelation. We need him to awaken something in us and give us insight into a thing or into a way or into means by which we touch a community with the gospel. And we all move from 70 to the 12 to the place of surrender and say, Lord, I'll do it. And no excuses, I'll do it. And then we'll worry about where are we going to put more chairs? I mean, it's not about numbers for me, y'all. I've been there, seen that. We've experienced it some. It's not about numbers. We'll never make it about numbers. We'll have to deal with numbers. Are you amen? We're not going to make it about numbers. We're just going to have to deal with them. When they come, we're going to figure out where the next campus will be. We'll start another campus, and we'll pray over them, and we'll send them out, and we'll get a campus going. And we'll fill it up with people, and we'll keep ours growing, and we'll grow another one. And we're just going to keep, I mean, because I, I think that's biblical. Amen. We're just, we're just going to, hey, look, I like this. I'm not uncomfortable with this. And if we fill it up, I'd like another one like it somewhere else. We manage, we grow, and we manage, and we grow because that's kingdom. That's kingdom. Amen. Y'all comfortable with this, aren't you?
I'm casting a little vision here now. Y'all get get your eyes open. We're not going to be un- we're not we're not going to be greedy, and we're not going to we're not going to listen. You know what's nice about this place? You're here. You know what the second thing's nice? It's paid for. Come on, Amen, Amen. We're man. Somebody say praise God. One of the few in the nation, possibly today, but uh, <laughs> a credit to great leadership. Amen. And all I'm saying is, look, guys, God has a mission for us, and we got to get into that, and we got to find it and discover it and begin to fulfill it and do what he, and you know what, that'll all happen as we look toward him, and we make it about him, and we prioritize the person, prioritize the person, prioritize the person. This thing's about Jesus, y'all. It's about Jesus. It's never been about anything but Jesus. It's going to stay about Jesus. And as long as I'm here, we're going to make it about Jesus. And any time it quits being about Jesus, the board's going to call me on the floor. Amen. And I want that. Because I want it to be about Jesus. Amen. I want it to be about Jesus. Father, we just bow before you. We just, oh, man, your spirit is so present and it, the, every time we gather you just come and sit on us just the heavy presence of your spirit just continues to sit among us flow 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 in this and God we we cherish that we value it more than anything It's so precious to us, the presence of God. We acknowledge it. And we we plead with you. Help us to never, never discard or think light of the presence of God. For it has the power to transform. It's changing us. Your presence is changing us. Your presence is transforming us. Your words are transforming us. Your your spirit is guiding and directing us. Lord, there are people that you're going to bring to the kingdom, that you're going to draw into the kingdom, for the kingdom of God is near them now. And you're going to draw them close because you're going to, You're going to take us and place us in a a moment, a specific moment where we get to share the love of Jesus with them and we get to care for their felt needs and we earn the right to speak the name of Jesus into them and over them. God, we're we're going to see lives changed, people saved, baptized in water and spirit. God, we believe it. We expect it. We We announce to the world, we announce to this world, we announce to this world that in so many ways is dark, in so many ways the enemy has has blinded the eyes of those who would believe the scripture says, and in so many ways, God, so many ways people have lost sight of who you are. We announce to the world that evangel is focused, that we are committed to enter into that place of surrender, 
that we are ready to become, move into the next circle, that place where surrender is evident, that place where you have total control, that place where, where your power can change instantly the heart and the life, even the physical. We believe, we thank you that you call us into that place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand with me. Amen. Everybody come to the altar. Come on up here with me. Hallelujah. Well, isn't it wonderful when you don't have to ask somebody to play something? They just know what you're doing. Come on up. So this moment that I want to have with you is about that thought, about this song, about us, about this decision, about this decision. Since January, we've been challenging you, lean in. Lean in. That was our phrase. That was our theme. Lean in. Lean in. Guys, the more we lean in, is the, the deeper in the circles we get. And so, if we're going to become disciples, which we all are, followers of Jesus, that's all a disciple means, God's calling us closer and closer. And it, it really is a decision. It's a decision that you make. It's a decision that we make individually and corporately as a family unit we make those decisions and we make those decisions together though not just separate together so i want us just to sing this song in his presence i want you if you're close to a family your family just take them by the hand just to, just just let the let the words become a testament i want our words tonight to become a testament in the presence of god in the presence of an enemy who hates us I want us to declare that we are following Jesus. No turning back. We're going to do whatever he calls us to do and how he calls us to do it. We're going to do it in an awareness that he is leading us, and we're going to do it corporately together. In Jesus' name, let's do that, Barry. I have decided to follow
turning back, no turning back. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. So, I want to make a confession to you guys, and then we're going to ask if, after that, I'll ask if there's any felt needs that we need to minister to, and then we're going to close in prayer. But my confession is this. I felt about two years ago that I was supposed to leave New Life. And we obeyed, and we left, and there was a couple of moments there in that first year from July until the end of the year that that verse, anybody putting their hands in the plow and turning back is not fit for the kingdom, that I really had to battle. I had to, I had to wrestle with the devil. I mean, I had to fight him tooth and nail over my calling because I knew what God had told me to do. And I know now, looking at the church, I see what God's doing in that church and how he's doing it, and it was the timing. It was perfect it was God it wasn't me or Debbie it was God it's so perfect and they're just exploding Pastor Matt's doing an incredible job but in that moment I through that season I kept saying Lord I, I know I've done what you want me to do I just wish you'd get the devil off my back you ever been there can you just get him to shut up you know you know what I'm saying and I remember getting the call for, I actually got contacted by Clark White hey there's a guy named Roy Pennington going to call you. And he, I got the call. I talked to him, agreed to come into July, and I remember coming and, and got the invitation to come back in August, and Debbie came with me, and Roy was glad about that because he didn't think he was going to invite me back. And then he, after he met Debbie, he thought, well, we'll give you one more shot. But then to think that the Lord would take us through to this moment and to give us the opportunity matter of fact brother jerry and i had a conversation in october of last year he came and sat down in the office and said have you ever thought about pastoring again i think you should consider it for this church that was october last year i said i don't talk about that with the pastor you're the pastor you are the man and i i i don't i mean i don't say that put him on the spot he he, he don't mind me talking about this because he knows God's at work just like I know he's at work. But to think that the Lord would give me this opportunity, I don't want to waste it. I want all of us to become the one, to get in the center. And I'm telling you, I, I told you all that story about in the center, the grease just flings out of the barrens and it greases everything. There's just so much happening right now in our services. It's just flinging out. It's just the, the, the anointing's just flinging out like that right there into things. It's going to fling out over the children's ministry, youth ministry. It's just flinging out. It's just it's, it's going out in the community and people are talking. Wow, what's going on up there? Well, you want to come check it out. That, that is evangelism. That's what God wants evangelism to be. That's what it's been. That's what it's, we want it to return to. A place.
that is a cost of the city, a place where God's anointing is flowing, a place where people's lives are being changed, felt needs are being met, healing, salvations, all those things. Amen? We believe for it. Amen. Anybody got a need? We need to pray on. Who? Sean. Took Rhonda? Okay. All right. Will you stand in right there? Anybody else got a need? We'll pray for them.